welcome to the Brothers Random Show. My name is Travis. And I'm Michael. And we are two ordinary brothers discussing extraordinary ideas and some random shit. The topics that we usually cover are theology, masculinity, movies, philosophy, books, pop culture, and many other subjects. We often talk about the people we admire and the wisdom that they share. People such as Jordan B. Peterson, who we believe is the sage of our time. Another sage that we have with us in part two of our of our discussion is Nathan Diltz, Nathan Diltz. who considers him, uh, himself a fundamentalist Mormon. Is that right? Is that an accurate? That's yeah. That's a I, I. That's a that's a great question. I. It's a it's an irony because I think uh, nine out of ten fundamentalists would recommend dentine and would say I am not a fundamentalist or I'm a failed polygamist. Uh, church members would definitely be like, "Ooh, you you are an apostate fundamentalist." So yeah, uh, I am a. I guess I would say I am a person who's striving to follow the restored gospel of Jesus Christ as best he can. And uh, at this point, like I'm not, I never in the business of uh, saying no to any of God's commandments, as long as they're legitimately from God, not like crazy stuff. But, um, uh, but at the same time, I'm not like, I, I've never actually been a skirt chaser or a, uh, or a guy who's tried to just add wives to, you know, add wives and to, to be a righteous patriarch or anything. That's not ever been my bag. So I don't anticipate that I will, you know, you know, accepting some extraordinary circumstance. I don't anticipate my living the principle ever again, um, primarily because I don't see the principle as about uh, my righteousness or proving my righteousness to God. I, I think that the principle is there as an opportunity like it talks about in jacob 34 or jacob 4 excuse me and i think from 132 as a commandment that the lord gives um uh to uh fulfill his plan and purposes and it's not about me or seeing how many ladies i can get or anything like that nothing like that so uh because i don't have an agenda like that and since most of my children are grown uh and about half of them are grown and the other half are on that cusp of crossing over into adulthood. And it seems like uh, if I were to get another wife now, I'd just be a serial monogamist in the weirdest possible way. Like, I mean, you know, it's just, so I, I, so it's a weird question. Like I say, I don't think, I think most fundamentalists would have a hard time viewing me as a legit fundamentalist, you know, and then most church members would be like, Oh, he's a fundamentalist. So are, Oh, do you, what do you consider yourself at, at? Do you're not part of the FLDS or I'm sorry, the, uh, you, the United AUB. Apo- AUB. That's how, that's the one um, I can't never remember. Yeah, yeah, I'm in a funny place with the, I, I'm actually in a, in a good place with the AUB. Um, it, so there was a period of time. Um, so last time we talked about kind of my experience about how I came into AUB or the work or the group, um, and it was originally under Rulon, and I was very welcome, had tremendous time. And then Rulon passed away, and he passed the torch to Lemoyne Jensen. And that was a that was an interesting thing that happened there. And I actually got along with uh, Brother Lemoyne Jensen uh, very well, had very positive experiences with him personally. However, um, there was a big shift uh, between Rulon and Lemoyne Jensen. Uh, Rulon was... Owen, oh, uh, sorry. Owen, oh, and then... 
uh, Lemoyne. You, were, you kept oh, saying Ruin. I kept saying, yeah, Owen. You're sorry, good. I was under Ruin. Owen. Owen passed the torch to Ruin. Uh, not Owen passed the torch to Lemoyne. I had personally great experiences with Lemoyne, but there was a definite shift in culture at that point. And I don't know that we want to necessarily get into the where's and why for's and whatnots, but um, in a nutshell, uh, by my own ears, I heard Owen say on no less than three occasions, if there's ever a disagreement between what Jesus Christ taught, Joseph Smith taught, or the Book of Mormon teaches, and what I say, you follow Jesus Christ, Joseph Smith, and the Book of Mormon. Like, he said that in my ears, no less than three That was times. Owen. That was Owen. That was and Owen. then Lemoyne came in, and, well, I guess I do have to give it in a very short nutshell, because we're not doing the history of the group podcast. Um, but in a nutshell a strange thing happened when i came in there was a huge influx of converts from the church at the same time i came in it was me and you know a dozen other guys and things and in the church you have this sort of rote testimony uh, i know the church is true you know i know joseph smith's prophet the book of Mormon is true i know this is the true and living church and that you know the so and so is the prophet and the only you know true and living prophet and seer and revelator on the earth well, they basically brought this rote sort of testimony and set of convictions in and and the work uh, and, and they started applying it to Lemoyne and they were applying it to Owen, too. But Owen was pretty good about saying, no, I'm just a man. He wouldn't let you call him Elder Owen. It was just Brother Owen and things. And so but they were trying to voice this on him like you're the man. And he, I you know, I think he did get colored by it a little bit in the end, but he did a largely good job of not letting that get to his head. But Lemoyne, um, they were a lot more arduous in really pushing that on him. And there sort of developed this cadre of, of folks that were mind guards. And this is and when you when when you have an organization as big as the church, there's sort of this default check and balance. Like church leaders in a church that's international and 11 million strong they can't go too wildly off the rails without seriously blowing up the whole institution and so there's this sort of de facto check and balance but when you take the same sort of like you know salute and obey your file leader and you apply it to somebody who's the leader of a small group you can go off the rails and i'm not saying lemoyne did um but the culture started shifting significantly and all of a sudden, you know, strange doctrines and this shift towards follow your file leader and things like that start coming in play. And, and I was one of the ones that was outspokenly against this shift in the culture. I was like, Hey guys, we can't go down this road. Like the thing with Mormon fundamentalism you know, and I'm not talking about wacko Mormon fundamentalism. I'm talking about <laughs> if you can have a mainstream Mormon fundamentalism. Of, <laughs> you know, the the funny thing is, is it's like um, you, if you do follow your file leader, like that doesn't work because if it's follow your file leader, and we should have done back, done that back with Wilford Woodruff, and we should all be monogamous and part of the main church. See, this is this is the philosophical, theological, and logical in inconsistency. If you all of a sudden are like an, a 
break off group and then you're like now we'll obey the leader it's like what oh so we weren't supposed to obey him when we split and started doing our own thing but now we're supposed to obey you like I, that's a complete logical the only way that mainstream Mormon fundamentalism has any leg to stand on is the idea that God honors us because we honor his commandments that's the only leg we have you know the uh, the church gets to play the authority card from just Joseph Smith to, you know, uh, President Nielsen now, right? They're playing the authority card. And essentially every Mormon split off group is playing the authority card as well. But anybody who's really honest, and, and this was a big part for me in my conversion, it's like, you know, um, the I realized very quickly, it's the whole foundation of this is God will only honor us as we're honoring his commandment. If it's follow your file leader, well, then I might as well go back to the church and you know, and, and do that program because, you know, and fall in line. Leader meant you gave up the polygamy back when Wolford Woodruff and Grant put the brakes on it, you know? And so, and so anyway, so there's cultural stiff charge happening and I started resisting it. Like you would really have these brethren, these seventies and these mind guards coming in with follow your file leader. We started coming up with strange doctrines, like, like, and, Trust me, Mormon fundamentalism has plenty of, and the and their fair share and more of strange doctrines. But I'm talking really wild stuff, like a helper God doctrine, which is a really bizarre derivative of Adam God doctrine. So, um, they, so, so before you get too deep into that, I wanted to uh, say. So I've said this before on this podcast, and the problem with these groups. One of the major problem with these groups, and you realize this when you watch the documentary, the Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey, you realize that the groups are one bad leader away from becoming absolute uh, shit cult, essentially. Oh, absolutely. Yep. So, uh, and, and, you know, the, the FLDS group is a perfect example of that. When they first split with our group AUB, they had a council and then it became this father son. Then the father dies, then became the son. And it just, and this is where you, and this, I think I was blessed when I gave you my background on the last show where I talked about how my dad worked for the church his entire career. And so I got a lot of very hard and fast lessons on there's a distinction between men and the gospel of jesus christ and don't mix up the misbehavior or the bad behavior of men with the gospel of jesus christ and don't use that as your excuse to forsake the gospel of jesus christ but also mm -hmm. don't blindly follow man like all those lessons came into play for me now because it's like i'm sitting here looking at you know some bad behavior and some bad doctrine and things and it's like for me you know, my conviction of the gospel of Jesus Christ has remained the same, but it's like, why are we introducing these what, strange doctrines and teachings? So one of the points of this, though, are, you know, and this, I'm going to challenge you just a bit on, yeah, yeah. on all this, because one of the points for somebody, the outside looking in, is that uh, it's it's kind of a pick and choose doctrine. And this is this is what the whole more almost all of Mormonism is essentially based on, because Joseph Smith did this himself. He he was 
he starts, he gets the book out. He, then he goes, um, and then he gets into the, the different doctrines further into the different doctrines, the doctrine of polygamy, the doctrine of the Adam God doctrine, all this stuff that, that uh, for lack of a better, like how he's just, I'm not trying to say that I'm not trying to insult mm-hmm. you by saying that this oh, is no, no, you're not him just making yep. it up as he goes, just right. like any leader would, just like the the Mormon church currently does, you know, and I've told this story before, but the Mormon church at one point had the mormon.org um, uh, posters everywhere and billboards everywhere. And it was like the number one thing that they were doing up until that prophet dies. And then the next prophet comes in and they get rid of all that. So the whole point right. is, is that don't call nothing, us Mormons. Yeah, don't call us Mormons. We're we're, we're, we're Church LDS. of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Yeah, and so say the my, whole thing. My point, my point being, is that this is this wishy washy, this um, you know, the new leaders here. Th- this 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 happens in all of Christendom. You know, it, it, you know, the new pope comes in and he wants to change some stuff to the whole thing. And wh- one of my biggest complaints about about religion, right? And and so, and what you're telling me is that you found that this religion that you had joined had done this after a new leader comes in, and then you, 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 it, 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 am I accurate in saying that you precipitously left after that? Are you not? Well, I think, no, I think what really, I mean, if I'm, uh, and I'm, and obviously if you ask them, they would probably have a very different perspective. But from my point of view, as, as clear eyed and unbiased as I could possibly be from my personal point of view, mm-hmm. um, I, I think what really happened is I just kept getting um, consecutively pushed and marginalized to the sides. Um, it, it was a strange, you know, it's such a funny thing. Um, because I wouldn't just bend the knee and because I resisted a lot of these mind guards that were, you know, putting themselves up as like kind of the authorities behind the throne. Mm-hmm. And, and and I'm not painting myself as heroic by any means or that it was this titanic clash of my goodness against their evil. No, it was, it was, you know, it, with some of them, it was, uh, a very kind of brotherly and loving debate. I mean, um, one of the guys who eventually became a, a member of the council, which is one of the, the leading men of the group, uh, his name was Harry, and I, I'll just leave it there and because I don't want to be, like, I'm not saying this to knock him, but, you know, I would go up to him after, you know, a Wednesday night priesthood class or something where he taught something. I'm like, you know, and I would just hash it out. And we had a lot of very good and brotherly exchanges. Like it was like, you know, and, and, and I sort of did it in the spirit of like, Hey, I'm looking at this in the scriptures. I'm not seeing it the same way. What are you seeing? And I challenge him and everything. And, and, Mm -hmm. and, but then there were other guys who just, I drove them nuts because, you know, I was questioning anything and, you know, and I could give those names and I probably wouldn't feel bad about doing it, but just to be a little bit classy, I'll abstain. But no, that's the point okay. is they were more of the, you will obey. And, the, and they were, you know, they were just pissed that I'd even raise a question contrary to their, you know, divine appointing opinion. And it's like, wait a minute, who are you? And, and, and so it's like, 
And uh, so I just found myself increasingly pushed out and marginalized. Uh, they started uncalling me from, you know, teaching classes or, and, and, and then they did this sort of a monkey court, but then they didn't actually end up um, actually excommunicating me or disfellowshipping me. They just did this monkey court and then nothing came of it. And then what happened is it switched from Lemoyne to another gentleman. And that's where my marginalization was a great moment for me just to, I stepped into another community that I found that was much more open, loving, and accepting. And they were, everybody in this community is a believer in the restored gospel of Jesus Christ with Joseph Smith. But in the community I'm in now, we have Woolleyites, we have guys who are current members of like AUB in the group. You have guys like me who are kind of marginalized and pushed out guys, black sheep. You have regular church Mormons. So we have this really eclectic group and there's no centralized authority. And this is sort of where I found a home is the, is a place where there's no centralized authority for my head. Do you still, do you still believe in the idea of the, uh, of the prophet then if you've, if you've, left that kind of group Um, well here's the funny thing i i think even when i was a member of the church my view and understanding of of what a prophet was is not what church members make a prophet like for me a prophet is somebody who is called by god's own voice to uh call his people to repentance when basically they've gone outside the boundaries of the covenant and he's calling them back in. Even when I was a missionary and like, and I was just a everyday member of the church, like I was deeply uncomfortable with this whole thing of prophet, seer, revelator, you know, president, prophet, seer, revelator. I have no problem with the guy being the president of the church. Like mm-hmm. I get that. That's his administrative function in his office. You're a prophet when you are, called by God's voice to call his people to come back under the covenant. And when you're doing that by the Holy ghost and, you know, with the the spirit of prophecy, then you're being a prophet. And when you're a seer, like a seer, that one's the one that bothered me the most. Like yeah. I know Joseph Smith was a seer, but who else has used interpreters? Well, lately? Can I challenge you on that? Yeah. How, how, how are you, how are you certain? This is probably, where, this is probably where we should go get into the, the under banner of heaven oh, yeah, stuff yeah. but go so, um, go ahead travis I, and then I, we'll kind of run with it like i'm that. gonna kind of get into this yeah, because yeah. i am not looking to tear anybody's religion down oh, yeah, at yeah. all i don't yeah. care um but but what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to just point out that you just mentioned that you thought that 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 you knew that the prophet of joseph the joseph smith was a seer and revelator um, I recently come across a bunch of stuff that maybe implies that he was a charlatan. Right. And there's a lot of that going around and I get it. So let, let's, yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Cause that's a really fair point you're bringing up. And, and I'm more than happy to speak to this because mm-hmm. one of the things that I teach my own children is, you know, until, and, and I'm so cautious about this because uh, I'm, and I'm really glad you're challenging me on it. Because uh, in Mormonism, it's it's very pat to say I know a thing. Like it's mm-hmm. it's sort of wrote in every 
Church Mormon's testimony. I know the church is true. I know the Book of Mormon is true. I know President so and so is the prophet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. And, and you just you sort of get scripted with that. And 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 to be fair, I should be more careful and more co- and clear on my wording. Uh, I I was saying that in in that sort of a sense of it, I am fully cognizant and aware that a lot of my convictions are convictions of faith. And those convictions of faith, I fully acknowledge our choice. Now, I could talk to you about a handful, not like a ton. I'm not a guy who walks and talks with Jesus every day and shares a Coke uh, <laughs> or have ever. Uh, you know, uh, I have had a handful of experiences where that I that I have a deep personal conviction were transcendent, were uh were me experiencing something of the divine that I feel was more than just myself, more than mentally induced euphoria or self-delusion. And that's my personal conviction. And I and and I am from that so I it's, have it's, made certain choices about my faith. So when I say I know Joseph Smith was a seer, I choose Yes. To exercise faith in the idea that Joseph Smith was here, and I do it based on the fruit of the Book of Mormon and his testimony of how he translated it. That is probably the best way to talk about faith, period. And I'm and I'm and I'm this way with my children too. I'm clear to them that it's like when I say I know a thing, you know, I'll sometimes let that slip out like that, but mm -hmm. most often I'll stop and say, look. At some point, faith is a choice because until God personally shows up to me and hands and I have the plates or hold the interpreters or the or the Urim and Tumim or the Urim and Thummim, you know, until these things are put and I could give you that one, I don't get to say I know, no, no, like that. No, I, it's it's a choice of faith, and I fully acknowledge that. It, so, and, so uh, this is this is where I. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of issue. Yeah. Like I, I, I agree. The best way to express a, a faith is to say, this is what I believe in. This is what I, but here's the problem with our society nowadays is that everything is boiled down to my truth and the truth doesn't matter anymore. And yeah. this is, this is something similar. So this, this is happening in society in general where there's a, person out there who believes that they are a man when they were born a woman right right so this yep. is them exercising their truth this is the same thing that religion does right now i'm not against religion well no if if so so i'm certain well definitely secular religionists and atheistic yes. religionists definitely do this yes Anybody what what, 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 is, what I'm trying to get at though is, is the same oh, okay. thing because when you take a when you take a belief that there's that there is no proving value to it, you can't prove it, and then you just say this is my truth or my faith. You're saying the same thing that <sighs> that a that somebody looking outside looking in can go. Well, that's. BS because that's that's your truth, but it's not the truth, right? 
So you, and, and that, you take an object. Yes, I, under, I understand the spirit of what you're saying. I think uh, I understand the spirit of what you were saying. One distinction I would add on to that is uh, if, if anybody's sincere about their faith, th- th- I really detest the whole my truth thing because that's, you're, you're taking something that's definitionally uh-huh. <laughs> supposed to be objective. Like, yeah. you know, the word truth by its definition should be an objective reality that can be verified by, you know, I'm not a uh, materialist by any means. I think there are things that transcend our capacity to measure through our five senses. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think faith has a special, um, a unique place because faith invites you to explore it and see if you come to that same um, conviction through your own experience, particularly Mormonism. I, I don't think that's true of all faiths, but my point is, is like, you know, obviously one of the big tenets, especially in the Book of Mormon, is the idea of the invitation that you can pray and ask God for yourself if these things are true. And mm. and you can you can go and seek for that encounter with the divine with yourself. And some people you know, obtain that experience for themselves and come to the same conviction and others don't. And others are just sometimes obnoxious about it. But <laughs> but my point is, is like the idea is that. So you're um, saying it's just a personal, it's a personal thing, right? Because I, I detest yeah. the whole my truth thing too. I don't like it, but I also, because I've left this, this, uh, you know, group, I can also take the that same idea, the my truth idea. Mm-hmm. You can apply it to faith, like a a, a person having right. Something. You could almost swap out the terms and say instead of yeah. my truth, my faith is my faith is yes. right. And yeah, how do you and, square that round or that square peg into a round hole? How do you? What do you think about that? In terms of. Well, that that idea, the, the 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 philosophies are very similar, and they also have a cult, cult <laughs> um, light mentality. Uh, the best way I can uh, speak to this point, um, I would I would make, I I tried to color it with two distinctions. The first one is this. Um, What are the when when we talk about my truth and or my faith and objective truth? I think anybody who's really sober and and I'm going to just say this and then we can think about it and discuss it. But I think anybody who's really sober about faith versus objective truth, one of the distinctions and one of the ways to measure whether or not your faith or your truth actually has any congruence with objective reality is what are the fruits of that faith? So let me get, you brought up the example, a guy who says, you know, he's born uh, biologically a male, but he says, you know what, I now, my truth is, is I'm now a girl. And uh, 
And it's like, well, okay, what are the fruits of that? And, and in every respect, it's like, you know, when you, all the choices you make and all the things that happen around you, are you running into roadblock after roadblock? Or are you, is your suffering going up or down? Like uh, one of the things uh, we talk about Jordan B. Peterson and we talk about Ben Shapiro and guys like that, you know, uh, they like to say fact, uh, uh, facts don't care about your feelings. Yeah. Uh, they also talk about how you can, you know, you're, you go off the cliff of reality and you're going to find that, you know, fiery ball at the bottom of that cliff. And it's like, so you sit there and make these expressions of faith and see, we could apply this to like these cults or these Warren Jeffs type groups, you know, what are the fruits of this? Well, when you see, you know, the misery and the suffering and the abuse and the violation of boundaries mm. and the things like that, clearly objective truth and what they're saying is truth and faith, they're absolutely at odds with each other. And mm. so in my own faith, you know, and this is the thing is like, you know, I, I, I haven't ever met a truly honest atheist. I've met a, a gazillion really honest agnostics. Uh, and I love my honest agnostics. Uh, I think atheists are uh, as ridiculous as, you know, as I am, because they're just in denial about the fact that they're actually uh, a faith-based religionist group themselves. You're, you're just ridiculous. You're not being intellectually or logically honest. Um, so, but so if we go serious about their faith is trying, is measuring their faith and their convictions against objective reality based on the fruits. That's on the, the on the fruits. I like that idea because that also goes into, uh, and I mentioned this before on this show, the, the difference between a cult and a religion is how the individual is treated. If the individual is treated poorly, if they, if their freedoms are taken away, if they're like segregated from their family, that's a cult. And if, so it, 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 and then if they're, so the fruits, I like this idea about religion that you just mentioned. It's the fruits. Well, it goes, it kind of goes along with, uh, we talked in our, ep one of our Exodus episodes, we talked about, uh, Dennis Prager has this thought that, it, he, he says, and I'll try to remember it, but he says, if my hope is that uh, every atheist will become a bad person and every uh, bad, every bad religious person will become an atheist <laughs> because he, be, because it, he says that one of the, one of the worst, one of the biggest things that an atheist will point to is bad people. If you're mm -hmm. bad person and you you're religious, then why should I ever accept your re mm. religion? So yeah. I don't know if that kind of goes in with your by kind of your by your by their fruits you shall know them. Well, I love both of what you're saying, and if we marry them together, it's funny because you talk about what's the difference between a cult and a religion, and I agree with you, uh, Travis, 100% about what you're saying. You know, in terms of that violation of boundaries, oppression. Um, all those things, those are definitely uh, predatory leaders, uh, cult-creating leaders and all that. Here's the interesting thing. You can have a religion, and people can come into it 
And uh, and this is something I don't think gets talked about enough because you have a lot of people to talk about cults as if there's something that happened to them. Like it just happened to them. Like they thought they were joining this nice hot dog eating community church <laughs> thing. And then all of a sudden it was a cult. Like, no, I'm sorry. There's not enough discussion around the idea that you have people like uh, under the banner of heaven, the Lafferty's. Mm-hmm. They were regular. They were ideal, regular Mormon church. And then they just, they grew cult-like in their thinking. And, you know, eventually they became so cultish, they got tossed out of the regular church or the religion and became their own crazy thing, right? And this idea that a cult is a thing that, no, a cult, there, no, without doubt, there's, I am not diminishing the responsibility and, and abrogating the accountability of wicked leaders who do wicked things or anything like that. Uh, I'm not diminishing that in the least, but people are not being honest when they don't acknowledge their part in having joined a cult and become a cultic in a cult. And yeah. it frustrates me. Like I have to take responsibility for the choices I made when I left the church and became a fundamentalist and became AUB. And I had to be responsible for who I was when I was in the group and what got me marginalized. And I have to take responsibility for who I am and in the community that I'm in now. Like, yeah. And to sit there and pretend like, oh, this cult just happened to me and I'm such a victim of my... No, you you had a hand in participating in the cult. Well, and, and that's... And and, people but... that can cult their way in a regular church that's that's our society now they don't want to take responsibility for the anything and it, it's all it's all they did this to me um mm-hmm. now um i guess we should get into the lafferty's uh the under the banner of heaven sure uh i think michael will just make this a two we'll make this two episodes because uh go with it let's do it we're uh we're we're going to have to wrap this up in about 30 minutes, but okay. So there's two things I want to talk to you about. Um, first of all, Joseph Smith, according to under the banner of heaven, the book. Now I just recently finished the book and is very well done. And it's a very embarrassing book for the LDS church and most fundamentalisms because they don't, they don't look good either in that book. They talk the very beginning talks about a lawsuit that they have supposedly, according to this book, they have documentation of in the early 1800s about a lawsuit yep. that had been brought against Joseph Smith for uh, for basically uh, fraud. He yeah. had taken a seer stone to a guy who owned a ranch. He told him that he could see the treasure through this stone. And which, which was, which was a big deal at the time, the, at the time uh, the occult was happening. It was a big deal. Seances were happening, all this kind of stuff. And Joseph Smith took advantage of this. And this guy supposedly, uh, paid him several weeks of work to, to find treasure and he didn't find any. And then there was the lawsuit. Now, according to the book, it says that he was actually convicted of this, of fraud. And he had to pay out. I, it doesn't. I I can't remember how much. But what do you have to say about the leader of your faith being this charlatan? 
a money digger and a charlatan. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I get confronted by these kinds of questions, especially now. Like, in fact, just uh, two or three weeks ago, I, I dealt with a bunch of of masonry and the endowment questions. And it's funny because I, I happen to be a mason. And uh, and uh, anyway, it's it's uh, it's it's. I'm just, I'm going to tell you what I, I'm, the reason I'm pausing here for a second is I want to, I want to be, there's a part of me that wants to go straight into apologetics and try to give historical context and all of these things. But I think the direction I'm going to go with this question, because there's plenty of people that, uh, you know, address these kind of questions and the church even has, they're starting to actually develop, um, uh, uh, some pretty intelligent and well contextualized, you know, explorations of these uh, these difficult questions about early church history. Uh, but here's here's what I'm going to answer that, and, and in terms of faith, because a lot of these um, kind of debunking uh, YouTube channels and things, and, and I'm not I'm not like I totally get it, and I want people to explore, and I want them to ask the hard questions and things because I don't. Uh, one of the things I really like is the is the the word Jacob, uh, the name Jacob in Hebrew. It means dissembler or, or liar, one who one who lies by hiding. Um, and then he wrestles with God, and God throws out his hip. And afterwards, he gives him a name he calls him Israel. And Israel in Hebrew means to wrestle. And so, I think it's an extraordinarily good thing to. Instead of hiding and dissembling, instead of being a Jacob, it's much better to be in Israel where you're wrestling. Uh, so I'm not like I love these kind of questions and this kind of conversation and dialogue. And I guess the way I'm going to approach it here, especially with the uh, three minutes we have left that are going to stretch <laughs> into 20, um, the, not by me, of course, but uh, the, the way I'm going to address this is. Um, you know, we could tackle all the uncomfortable details in church history and go after them. And so many guys sit here and they'll they'll find these things and they'll be like, well, is that what a prophet of God would do? Or if God was really speaking to that man, would he have done this? Well, you know, we could have those discussions and dialogues and we can look at, you know, I guess I would immediately go to historical uh, biblical prophets like Samson. I mean, that guy was a D-bag and yet the mm. Lord used him. Um Jesus Christ's own pedigree has the uh, daughters who took advantage of their father in a moment of drunkenness, has a woman who set herself up as a whore to get her, you know, uh, father-in-law to get her pregnant. Like, by Jesus Christ's own pedigree is full of, you know, really savory characters. And that was one of the funny things that happened during Christ's time is, is, they a lot of people thought John the Baptist was the Messiah because he had the pedigree that they were all expecting the Messiah to come through. He was the son of a priest of the order of Abia, and he was preaching repentance with power and authority and was baptizing. And he was their image of what the Messiah was going to be. And yet this dude, like what good thing comes out of Nazareth and, and you know, had this seedy, you know, genealogy and everything. He was not, you know, the guy that, the, and so yeah, I, you know, an imperfect vessel 
being used by the Lord, uh, we could we could have really good conversations. But I, the way I'm going to take this right now and sort of in closing, not in closing, closing unless you close it. But <laughs> what I'm going to do to close this, my answer to this is, is I look at w- w- the fruits that Joseph Smith brought, and in terms of theology and whether or not they make people better disciples of Jesus Christ and better to each other. And the things he brought to the table was a book of scripture that was a second witness of Jesus Christ that explored the idea that Christ was the Messiah for everyone all over the world, whether you were in the old world where he came and ministered in his mortality or whether you're over here in the Americas as one of the original peoples. Um, The idea that there are eternal families, like, you know, that's a huge concept and it should shift dramatically how we treat each other and see each other in marriages and things like that. So the idea of eternal relationship, the idea of um, that we existed before we came here and that we're eternal beings that are on an eternal path of progression. Like do these things raise our value in each other's eyes and, and, and cause us to treat each other better and be better disciples of Christ. And regard, you know, he's uh, without a question. Joseph was a flawed vessel, and uh, and and I won't pretend that he wasn't. And uh, just as a really cool snippet, I think you like this. I was listening to a radio interview a long time ago. It was like Radio of the West, and he was interviewing the man who was the religion writer for the New York Times, a job that, by the way, if New York Times is listening, I would love to have someday. But anyway, he was a religion writer, and he spent 80% of his time covering the Catholic Church, because obviously they're kind of the big deal in Western Christianity. And he was, but he's talking to this guy who's a Mormon radio show host out here in Utah, and he says, you you know, in closing, what do you think is the biggest difference between Mormons and Catholics? And he said, well, that's a really good question. And he said one of the most profound things I ever heard. He said, in Catholicism, the doctrine is that whenever the Pope sits on his throne as the vicar of Christ and speaks, that is the literal voice and word of God through him and should be taken as such. And no Catholic believes it. Mormons, on the other hand, teach that their prophet is just a man and is and is is just a man and is full of flaws and failing, and they don't believe it. And it was it was it was one of the best and most brilliant, concise. He nailed it right on the head. It's like everything that Catholics are supposed to believe about the Pope, they don't. But everything, but we believe that about the Mormon prophet, right? Like it's a, and, and 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 that's a that's a real issue, not only from cult problems, but it's a real issue from this idea that all of a sudden, when you know they're the prophets, seers, and revelators, when you find flaws, that's the end of the world and the end of your faith. And it's like, no, I, I, I the the idea that Joseph Smith was flawed, and I'm not gonna sit here and try to dance around what he did or minimize what he did you know if he did it he did it but i i i think the the better argument instead of can god use a flawed vessel is what were the fruits that joseph smith brought to man and do they make us better disciples of christ and better to each other that's um that's a good point (laughs) (laughs) mic drop (laughs) drop. nice yeah 
let's wrap up that let's one. Let's wrap up that one, I guess. Um, very cool. Very cool. We appreciate you being on this, uh, Nathan. Uh, My honor, guys. Um, it's obvious that uh, we're we're obviously going to disagree on a lot of things, but I oh, uh, I hope so. Uh, but I really respect uh, everything you have to say. Um, I don't uh, I don't discredit anything. Um, and um, under the banner heaven is uh, is a great read, and uh, I is, agree with you. It's um, it's a it's such a embarrassing indictment on uh mormonism in general you know, so it's, it's funny i i when i read it i thought it was actually extraordinarily fair um I, especially when i have had enough experience now and i i've uh because i was doing this interview um i was uh i just read it again today and <laughs> And, but I had read it like, I don't know, probably a year after it came out. So whenever it was published, plus a year, uh, I read it back then. And I didn't have contact, but I thought it was pretty fair back then. And when I read it again after having 25 years in fundamentalism, I thought it was very fair. I, I thought um, it certainly beat uh, Fawn Brody's book. That was that was a disaster. But What, actually, what book is that? Uh, uh, no man knows my history by Fawn Brody. Oh, okay, now, I got you. Here's the thing, even though it's kind of crap, here's the thing that I appreciate about that book is it was the first attempt for someone to try to uh, more honestly and objectively talk about Joseph Smith and his history. And it was a first attempt. And she brought a lot of weird Freudian psychoanalytic crap that was like hip in the 80s. It's like, I don't think you can psychoanalyze Joe from the couch when he's been in the dirt for 100 years. But, you know, go for it, lady. You know, that's your back. But, you know, but but the fact that somebody made an effort, because up to up to her up to that point, all the works about Joseph Smith had been largely produced by the church. And they were basically, you know, faith promoting story books you know well and that's that's another cult like behavior yeah is is it it's basically you can't read anything that hasn't been produced by this cult right right and so like you know i i don't like some of von brody's freudian psychoanalytic 80s babble crap like you know i'm sure she figured out what joe smith's repressed memories were and he was abused as a child by did you did you watch the show that was on hulu of under the banner heaven I haven't seen the show. I've just read the book twice now. And like I said, last time was today. So that was fun. <laughs> it's, um, it's a good show. They take some liberties, but it's a good show. I would, uh, I would highly recommend it. it. Yeah. I'll check it out. And yeah, we definitely shouldn't cover up or run away from that's been going on for far too long. So any effort to like bring things to light and transparency, um, I think it's better. The only way to, uh, deal with uncomfortable, um, uncomfortable things is to bring more light and truth to it and like i say um you can we should not ever make an apology for the incorrect decisions of leaders because that leaves room for us to do the same thing to others yeah Um, and and so that's imperative but uh at the in the same breath we should also be careful to realize that since god uses from my position of chosen faith since god 
uses any man, he's always using a flawed vessel. Now, mm. um, at the same time, you cannot ignore if the vessel becomes too flawed, it should really make you suspect, you know. And this is, I think, where your point of view is really valuable. At what point? does the flawed vessel become a broken vessel? And that's a real discussion because, you know, I'm sitting here from my vantage point, poo-pooing and poshing, you know, Warren Jeffs and things. But, you know, some people would look at what Joseph did and think that was as bad or worse than what Warren Jeffs did. So how do I get to say to Warren and be like, well, I can deal with Joseph as a flawed vessel. That's a serious question and a good discussion to have because, you know, at what point does it become so flawed that it's broken? And yeah, now you're hurting people and pulling them from Christ versus, you know, bringing them to Christ. Well, it could be the amount of power that you get. That could be yeah. the difference, because once you get a certain amount of power, do you abuse it? You you would well, hope you would hope that you don't. But they there's way too many examples of good men abusing that power once they get to that power. Well, even Joseph Smith himself in in the 121st uh, Doctrine and Covenants, he said uh, that as soon as men get a little authority, as they suppose, they immediately begin to exercise unrighteous dominion. Yeah. So by his own revelation, that's 100% true. Uh, I know I've definitely pulled the a-hole card out once in a while and, <laughs> and played it, you know, and uh, in those moments, I am definitely neither a good disciple or, or by my own convictions, a priesthood holder or anything like that. So, yeah. But you were going to close this up. Yeah. Let's uh, wrap this up. I It's getting late and uh, I, I'm sure I'm supposed to be somewhere. So um, uh, thank you, Nathan, uh, for doing this. Thank you. Um Michael, uh, what are our socials? Oh, we got uh, the uh, Twitter is at the brothers. It's at brothers V random and Instagram is at the brothers random. And uh, so is that that's YouTube as well. And if you wanted to email us, it's the brothers random V at Gmail. We are uh, also on uh, Apple uh and spotify uh podcasts if anybody's interested the uh i forgot to do the bags last time but these are the bags please uh like share and subscribe do all that um and uh nathan again thank you very much sir for being on here and we will my honor anytime guys and i'm glad you're having these discussions man i think they're super important i think it's important to have that wrestle yeah, it is. I, I agree. We're always wrestling. We are we all, Israel. We who wrestle with God, Israel. We are Israel. Um, Keep listening, keep reading, keep watching, learn more. Have a good one, guys. And keep wrestling till the dawn comes, and when you do, God will respect you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, guys.